Well, what does it mean to be called into a new work? I remember it was 2003. I had just grown my goatee because I was 30 years old, but I looked 20. And I heard about a church called Horizon Community Church in Cincinnati, though I was living in Georgia. My in-laws had just moved to Batavia, so I told them to check the church out. I gave them the address, such and such Dragon Way. They showed up to Fairfax next to the Nestle factory where our offices were, and they could not find a church service to save their life. Eventually found the services meeting at Cincinnati Country Day. They said, you got to check out the church. It's very similar to what you guys are doing. Sent my wife up to meet. She was doing a a little spring break trip to meet with uh, her parents. I said, while you're there, check out the church. She calls me after the service that day. I was still down in Georgia. She said, it's a sign. We got to go here. Now, keep in mind that my wife's going to eventually leave me for Superman. So we've got an agreement that uh, it's the one thing she's allowed to divorce me for. She's loved Superman from the very beginning of time, movies, TV shows. That particular day after the message, an interview happened where John Snyder came up to talk about his faith as a Christian. You might know him as Bo Duke. My wife knew him as Superman's dad from Smallville. And she said, Superman's dad was here. we got to come to Horizon. And I came up that same week, actually flew up and talked with the elders and, and some of the leaders here. And what grabbed me was why another church, right? A church that was committed to verse-by-verse Bible teaching when most people have gotten away from that, to really challenge ourselves to grow spiritually. And then designing another type of service, really focused on guests, giving them the best time slots, creating music and environments to help them with their spiritual hurdles. And we were like, we're in. And we took the challenge from God and the call from God to leave Georgia and come here some 15 years ago to be part of what God was doing. God is always calling us to start new endeavors in our Christian life. And I think that if you're not exploring new horizons, there actually might be a cloud on the horizon. If you're not hearing God's call to challenge yourself to start new areas of forgiveness, new aspects of of deepening your marriage, deepening your faith, exploring sin in your life, if you're not exploring new horizons in your life, there might be a cloud on the horizon that you're not in tune with the Spirit. I have a friend that often says, Chad, Chad, do you have a fresh word from the Lord? Fresh? I got a lot of stale ones from like five years ago, ten years. Do you have a fresh word from the Lord? And are you coasting professionally? Are you coasting spiritually? Have you allowed your marriage to coast? I have a friend who often says, if you're coasting, you're always headed downhill. So Jesus is going to begin to challenge people to be part of his life, his movement called the church. As he does that, he's going to challenge Peter today, Simon, before he gets his name Peter, to three horizons he wants him to explore. And he's going to teach him how to really be other-centered in his life. So the first horizon we're going to look at is the real priority that Jesus had was that Jesus really encouraged people to start up a personal encounter with God. 
We find Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry, not at temple, though he goes to temple, not at synagogue, though he goes to synagogue. We find him out in the community meeting with people in their environments where they are teaching them about life and how to love God and be connected to God. So it was, a multitude pressed against him to hear the word of God. So much he gets pushed up against the lake. He saw two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So he got into one of the boats, he picked specifically, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught from the multitudes from the boat. In fact, archaeologists have found remnants of a boat that actually gets dated to that particular time period. They call this Jesus' boat, because this is the type of boat that fishermen used during that day. And one of the reasons we emphasize in our services the archaeological evidence, the background, is because we want you to know that this is a real story. This is history. And God really worked in the lives of real people in the past, and he can really work in your lives as well, challenging us to have a closer, more intimate, deeper relationship with him. And to do that, Peter... Simon has been fishing all day. He's at work. He's in his work boat. And Jesus steps into his environment in his life and says, I want to do some teaching. And he gives Peter an opportunity to hear his teaching live in his own environment. And here's the thing about Peter. Peter is very, very, very successful. So much so that they have actually found Peter's house. Peter's house, huge, Enough that he allowed his house to be central command for Jesus' ministry. All 12 disciples stayed there regularly. He gave hospitality. He gave financially. He gave of his life to be part of this new movement of being other-centered. You'll see on the right-hand side is the actual archaeological uh, architecture of his house, Peter the Apostle. The UFO sitting on top of it is a church, actually. A church is actually built right on top of Peter's house, and they still have services there today. A reminder of that legacy of being others-focused, creating a place where people could learn about God, learn about the Bible, dig into Jesus. And if you look at the picture on the left side, you'll see that right next to his house is a gigantic synagogue, one of the largest in the area. This was an area that had the most amount of scrolls This was like central command for training the rabbis of the day, the thinkers of the day, the philosophers of the day. That the church was to be a place that people engage their mind, their heart, and their will to love God with their heart, soul, and mind. And and Jesus created the church and called Peter or Simon here in this passage because he wanted him to be part of this new movement. So he turns to Simon, who's just finished fishing all day, Worn out, didn't catch anything, and says, hey, launch out in the deep, let down your nets again. Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled, we have worked, we tried all of our tricks all night, we caught nothing. And Peter is worn out by his success. He has tried every single fishing technique he knew. He wasn't operating out of his weakness, but out of his strength. This is what he's the best at. He's a professional fisherman. And Jesus shows up and goes, well, just try one more time. To which he must have thought, right. You stick to the preaching, I'll stick to the fishing. And being worn out in his success, his success couldn't get him what he really wanted. And here's a very successful, very influential man. 
And Jesus is going to give him a chance to explore the things that success can't get you. Spiritual depth, real meaning, real purpose, the things that that bring eternal value into material things. Because notice, of all the boats he could have gone to that day, there were several boat options for him, right? He saw two boats there that day, standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. He got into one specific boat, the one belonging to Simon. He sat down and begins to teach the crowd. And now Simon, who's only heard about Jesus, gets a chance to explore or investigate his teaching because he's literally teaching right in front of him. He gets a chance to check it out. Reminds me a little bit when I was in grad school. We did a, a leadership class and they talked about situational leadership and how to grow and mentor people. You may have come across this before, that the four stages of leadership development are number one, directing. I do, you watch. Here's what we do around here. Here's why we do it. Here's why it's important. Here's our procedures. Then you move to coaching. No longer it's I do, you watch. It's we do. And I give you a directive. Here's why it's important. I might want to shore that up a little bit here. Then you move to supporting. You do. And I watch and encourage. Oh, that's great. Oh, a little tweak that a little bit here. Oh, you're doing a fantastic job. It's ultimately delegation, which is you do and I watch. You are off on your own. This process of leadership development that has been around for the last 20 years, Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago. Directing, come and see. Coaching, come and abide in me. Supporting. And ultimately delegating that 12 disciples that he mentored end up changing the whole world, encouraging other people to love God with their heart, soul, and mind. The second horizon that he challenges the, the disciples and Simon to here is he challenges them to explore deeper waters. And I think that Jesus is always calling us to deeper waters. Look what he says. I want you to launch out, put out a little bit from the land. I want you to launch out into the deep. Let your nets down. I think God is challenging us to deepen our faith, deepen our love, deepen our understanding of him all the time. And often we're comfortable because that's challenging, that's the unknown, that's the difficult. I'm like, well, God, I think I'm fine here right now. My theology of rest I want to talk about. And God said, no, deeper waters. Are, Are you still the same type of person you were five years ago? Are you still as close to God now as you were two years ago? Are you as bad or good of a listener now as you were 10 years ago? Is your prayer life the same as it was three years ago? Your Bible studies, it was one year ago. Or is Jesus calling you to deeper waters? And I think one of the roles of a church in the Bible and Jesus is to call us to that mentally. Are you learning how to love God with your mind? To really understand who Jesus was and what his work on the cross really meant at a deep intellectual level. Who God is, his sovereignty, his grace, his compassion, and how all that fits together. Have you really wrestled with the problem of evil? Not just why bad things happen to people, but why it's happened to you. And then emotionally, how to work through challenge without getting bitter. The emotions of worry. Are you still as much of a worrier now as you were five years ago? Or is God calling you to deeper water? Are you as generous now as you were two years ago? Is God calling you to deeper water? Are you living an incredibly sacrificial life or a comfortable life? Or is God calling you to deeper water? And are you wrestling with your own heart? 
why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why don't I do the things that I know I should do? Am I out of resources? Am I really tapping into the fruit of the Spirit to see His work in my life? These are all ways in which Jesus calls us to deeper waters. And notice what happens here in the passage. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we, professional fishermen, have toiled all night. We've caught nothing. But look at the next word. Nevertheless. When I memorized the the script for last week, if you weren't here, you can pick up the CD. We went through the whole book of Luke um, through the Dr. Luke's perspective. One of the phrases that caught me was that word, nevertheless. Do you have a nevertheless moment that say, God, I don't want to grow. I don't want to go there. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to give that much. But God, everything in me says no more challenge, no more deeper water, no more difficulty. But Peter felt that way. But he had a nevertheless moment. Nevertheless, your will be done. Nevertheless, I want to be where you are, even if it means deeper waters. And when I was memorizing the script for Jesus' um, Garden of Gethsemane prayer, one of the things that struck me was, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was called to deeper waters. He had a nevertheless moment. God, nevertheless, God, I want your will over my will. And Simon, at the very beginning, has a nevertheless moment. I don't feel like doing it. I tried everything I know. Nevertheless, at your word, I want to go into deeper waters. And then they did it. Faith requires you to do, to obey, to engage with God. They did it. And when they did, they caught such a great number of fish, their net was breaking, and they signaled to their partners and other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so much so it began to sink. And here we find that that Peter has been successful at everything except the things that really matter. And now he's tapped into Jesus. He's got more abundance than he's ever had before, materially and spiritually best catch of his life. And I tell you, over the last 15 years of Horizon, one of the ways I've seen God grow people is when they feel called to different experiences of serving folks. Whether it's serving in children's ministry the first time and really falling in love with a group of kids. Whether it's going on a mission trip. We had a whole group of people took the the giving tree bags and gifts that you guys made or, or bought and brought them down to Happy Church and got to engage with one of the poorest area of the country. Going on a mission trip. Every time somebody goes on a mission trip, we get a whole group of people going to Belize and Cancun in about three weeks. Every time it's like, oh my goodness, is it safe there? Should I go there? What's it like to have a cross-cultural experience? And every time people finally give up their fear, give up their vacation time, and they go down there and they realize they have received far more than they've given. When they see the joy of an orphan. I remember a group of friends, we were together, we were building a soccer field in... in, uh, in Cancun several years ago, and we're just all day long sweating and hauling, sweating and hauling, and the friendships that are formed, the spiritual commitment that occurs, the, the sense that God is using you to be other-centered in a powerful way. I remember, I think we built like a hundred homes now down in Belize as a church, and I remember being there the day that we finally built a home for a young man who had cerebral palsy. And one of the guys on our team and brought one of those showers, not the ones that come from up top, but from the side of the wall, and put that into his 
very small house we built. So now for the first time, he could actually bathe himself because the water would spray at him instead of just trying to hold that shower head. To see the joy in his life when we built a home for him. And then, more than that, to see the joy of people who would come back the next year, and it wouldn't just be them, they'd invite their spouse, and then they'd invite their friend. Pretty time, people, all the friends on a whole street would go down to go into deeper waters, having a cross-cultural mission experience to give to others. And God worked in their life, and they came back with a deeper sense of faith. That's what God does when he calls you to focus on other people. And then you come back and say, I want some of that in my marriage, I want some of that in my family, I want some of that in my business. So is Jesus calling you to deeper waters? The third thing is that ultimately Jesus doesn't call us to do before he calls us to deepen who he is. It's, I want you to know God better. And what he says here is Jesus invites us into a deeper understanding of God. And notice how Peter's understanding of God shifts. At the beginning of the story, he calls him master, which means boss. Master, boss, very respectful. Boss, hey, we've toiled all night. We caught nothing. Nevertheless, I'm going to obey. At the end of this experience, he no longer calls him master. He calls him Lord. Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. Every spiritual encounter, every spiritual activity is, in, is designed to deepen your relationship with God. And many of us have a respectful view of God. God, I respect you. you know, I grew up religious. I was Baptist. I was Methodist. I was Catholic. I learned to respect God, which also created distance. You know, I don't get in trouble. You don't mess in my life. I don't mess in your life. That's respect. But it's not relationship. Jesus has now engaged in his life, closed the proximity. Peter's now heard him teach in the boat. He's already had his mother-in-law healed by Jesus. He's seen the impact of Jesus on his extended family. And now he has seen a firsthand miracle with multiple eyewitnesses viewing it. And he falls to his knees and says, Oh, depart from me. This is God right here. I've never seen a catch like this in my whole life. Multiple boats not being able to pull it in. This was only miraculous. Only God could do this. Which is stunning that a first century Jewish man, Jesus, and a first century Jewish man, Peter, the father of monotheism, you would not call anyone God except God. That's monotheism. There's only one God. That Peter uses the term Lord, which means God, for Jesus is stunning. That he would recognize that God was in his presence. And when you realize God's in your presence, you're also aware of your own need for forgiveness. Oh, I'm a sinful man. I don't even deserve to be near you. No, you don't, but I want to be near you. I want to cleanse you, I want to engage with you, I want to deepen my relationship with you. And this encounter he has with God is based on evidence. Look at all the evidence. <laughs> Partners view this, they saw this, the fish around him. That the Christian faith is a faith-based, evidence-based uh, journey. And remember, Luke told us last week in Luke chapter 1 that he has investigated this and his entire account is based on eyewitness testimony. So he has interviewed Peter and James and John. And he's put that evidence together here in the book for us. That this is a multi-evidentiary uh, approach. And as it goes on, it says that this encounter was a multi-witness event. James, John, sons of Zebedee, partners with Simon. 
that Luke compiled all of their evidence to say this really happened in history. And I think many of us, our view of God is kind of a build-a-bear God. We've built him ourselves. He sounds like us. He talks like us. He believes like us because we built him. And God wants us to instead deepen our understanding of the real God. To wrestle with as a lawyer, do I serve just my client or do I serve justice, the God of justice? As a parent, what does it look like to have both grace, truth, and mercy in how I parent? What does it look like for me as a warrior to really engage with not the build-a-bear God who's not really quite powerful enough to handle my problems, but a sovereign God, a majestic God? What does it look like for you and I to go from master relationship with God to Lord relationship with God? That's what God's calling us to. And one of the reasons we began Horizon 20 years ago was because we wanted to deepen people's relationship with God through deep worship and verse-by-verse Bible teaching and by creating environments for people who don't even go to church, who have been sort of done with the whole thing or are not sure about the whole thing. And God continues to work in such incredible ways. I wrote down in my notes this week, this is just stories I've personally heard in the last eight days around here. We had a funeral last Saturday, meaning eight days ago Saturday, my friend Jim Rixey. And Jim sat front row right ever since CCD days. And just a few weeks ago, ends up in the hospital, pray, 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 it's, it's critical condition, and he passed away. And we were shocked. And last Saturday before our Saturday service, we had a funeral here, 405, almost this full actually. And afterwards, his wife came up to Anne, who we interviewed last week, and several of us, and said, man, I thank you so much for how much you loved on our family, but thank you for creating Horizon 15, 20 years ago. Because I'm not sure where we would be today if Jim and we had not found Horizon. And Jim was always going to lunch with me and asking questions. And I I believe it, but help me in that unbelief. That was eight days ago. Last week, I was doing this one-man drama. So I came up with my friend Jill. And I said, Jill, uh, man, every time I do a one-man drama, I think of Kenneth. Uh, And we did his funeral this year as well. And I said, you know, every time we gave each other a big hug. And I said, uh, think about what God did in Kenneth's life. And the great conversations we had, always cutting my hair or coming over to our house or just talking about his faith journey and the friends that, that built into him over the last 15 years. We had a women's event here on Thursday. And uh, after we got done, a large group of women coming in, having a big dinner party, and then we spoke about starting up your faith. As I'm walking out, uh, the first woman who stopped me said, well, actually, one group uh, was sitting here in the front row brought three of her friends. It's the first time I've ever brought these friends, first time in church, and you know, Chad, this better be good, you know. <laughs> and uh, just had some great conversations with people really inviting friends to church. Then I'm heading out to the door. I'm just about to leave the door. And somebody says, hey, do you remember uh, you dedicated my child about three years ago? I'm like, sure. She goes, I'm now in a Bible study. My mom's here. We came together, and, and we're going to do a startup group together. Man, thank you for what God is doing in, in our life because of the work at Horizon. So I head out to the car because I'm going to help my wife pick up some stuff. And somebody stops me and says, hey, Chet, 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 somebody else. Hey, do you, do you remember connecting me to our mentor three years ago? Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. 
And I, I vaguely, as she started talking, I kind of remembered it. She goes, that mentor has met with me, prayed with me, talked with me. When I went through a divorce, to deepening my faith, to understanding God's grace in my life. Thank you so much for that. We get to the end of the 1110 service last week, seven days ago. Guy comes up to me after the 1110 service. He says, I, I've never been to church before. It's my first time in church today. He said, I grew up with parents. One was Catholic and one was Jewish. And both were non-practicing. I'm now married and I told my wife that I would help raise our kids to have a faith. And I have no idea how to, how to do it. And until I heard your drama today about Dr. Luke, I had no idea that Christianity and Judaism even overlapped. I walked him out, I gave him a copy of Fast Track Bible, I gave him a copy of the Action Bible, which is the whole Bible in comic book format, so he could read through the Bible with his kids in comic book format, and he says, I'll I'll be back next week. I talked to another guy on the phone just three days ago, who said, been coming to Horizon for the first time in my life two years ago, I read through the Bible all the way through, and now I've got a study Bible for the first time, and, and, and I'm actually trying to figure out what all of it means. Those are just all the things that I personally had an encounter with in the last eight days. I mean, this is God using the environments we've created to deepen people's faith and understanding of who he is, what he's doing, and what he's calling them to. And I guess the question for each of us is the question God has for Simon, which is what is God calling you to be part of this year? What is your next horizon? What new horizons do you need to explore? Because Jesus turns to Simon and says this, Simon, don't be afraid. Because when you go to deeper waters, this fear, fear of the unknown, what's God going to call me to do? Do I need to check my brain at the door? Am I going to lose my edge? Do not be afraid to forgive. Do not be afraid to love better. Do not be afraid to get deeper into the Bible. Do not be afraid to become a lavish giver. Do not be afraid, for I am calling you to be a catcher of men. I want to use your same passions, your same talents, your same experiences, but use those skills you've developed to say, how do I live an other-centered life focused on catching men, influencing other people, mentoring other people, developing spiritual awareness, helping people discover what really matters in spiritual matters to catch men. And they're so compelled by this vision that they forsook all... And followed him. I want to be part of something that does exactly that. And maybe this is the year that you want to start up your faith in a new or deeper way. I want to give you a few ways you can do that here at Horizon. One, maybe you want to get into a study group. Our team started writing this material about six months ago. And we have a booklet that's going to be a companion to the guide to our services for the next nine weeks. So if you want to read through that on your own to deepen your faith, this might be the tool you use to deepen your understanding of God's work through Luke. You can grab one of those on the way out. Maybe you've never been in a group before, and part of deeper waters for you is stepping into a group. And so maybe you want to get into a group for the first time to spiritually explore together, and that'll be a chance for you to do that. Maybe, as you hear about the, the different ways God is working in all of our environments, you're saying, it's time for me to serve. Maybe only attend services. I would just really challenge you, this is the year, to attend one service and serve at one service. So many ways. People come in during the week and serve. Some people serve at children's ministry. Some people serve in tech or lights or a musician or singing. But make this the year you say, I want to start being part of this. I don't just go to your church. I'm attending my church. I'm serving at my church. Or maybe God's calling you to the deeper waters of serving locally. Going down with our teams to serve at City Gospel Mission. 
monthly. Or, or, or go to Happy Church on, a, on one of our trips with your whole family if you even want. Maybe it's God calling you to be part of building a Habitat home that we'll do periodically throughout the year. Maybe it's globally. We've got teams leaving in a few weeks to go down to Belize and Cancun. Maybe you want to set out your vacation time for next year to say, I want to use my medical skills, or I want to use my support skills, or I just want to use my ability to, to be with kids while surgeries are going on skills, just my presence. Maybe this is the year God calls you to deeper waters of serving globally. Or maybe it's giving financially. Maybe you've never let God call you into deeper waters of giving a percentage or an increased percentage of your income. And as I talked about last month, you know, part of what we're doing now is we've hit the what's called 80% rule in church growth. Once you hit 80% of capacity, you don't grow anymore. And so our, our 850 service has hit our, our 80% rule and beyond. Our 10 o'clock service is well past that. And so what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and raise a million dollars. We have Turner Construction in right now trying to find another space in the building that we can add about 100 to 150 new seats. And so many of you already heard us talk about that last month, and we've raised about 20% of the money already. And you say, I want to be part of, I'm sitting in a facility that people gave and served for. I want to be part of giving and serving so other people can have space. And that new space might be in the youth theater, might be in a few other areas that we're looking at. We're hoping that that's going to create the ability to do a couple things. One, have more space at our optimal inviting hours, which is 10 o'clock and 8.50. And it also gives us the idea of experimenting a bit. We can take our equipping service and our worship band can actually walk down to that space. And we might be able to offer a small equipping service at 10 o'clock or 11.10 because now we have two different environments. And we could videotape the speaker from Saturday and edit it together and show it there. So you could hear one sermon in this environment, one in that environment. Or we might do purely an overflow. Uh, but really to make that space intimate, like our original church plant, we want it to feel very intimate. Maybe there's a waffle bar there or, a, or, a, or an omelet bar there. And, and you, maybe you want to feel called by God to be part of our church plant within the church group. You want to be part of the 20 or 30 people to get that started and make people feel welcome. Engage in that. I don't know what God's going to call you to do. But make this the year he calls you into deeper waters. If you feel called to do that, you know, we have both an operational budget we call the general fund, and we have this future growth fund that many have been giving to for, for years for these type of projects. We could be a church to say, hey, success, 15 years success. You know, most churches don't see this kind of growth from when I came on Wednesday in 2003. There were 20 people in the audience on Wednesday. There were more of us on stage than there were in the audience. That is no exaggeration. And to see how that has grown to one service, to two services, to three services, to four services. And it's not about growth. It's not about numbers. It's not about my ego that goes, oh, I want to be able to... No, it's actually a lot more to manage. It's kind of a hassle, right? But you engage in the hassle because you want more people to be in a Bible study for the first time. To study for the first time. To know God for the first time. To experience grace for the first time. To have their kids drag their parents to church for the first time. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And so if God is nudging you to serve this year, serve. To, to pray this year, pray. To study and engage in the word this year, engage. To listen better this year. To give financially this year. Pray and ask God how you can be part of the challenge he has for you. In order to do that, one of the things we're going to do in this series periodically is take you back in time. So I'd like to hop into a time machine and take you back 20 years and show you how all of this originally began. 
Let's watch. Well, my name is Mike Marker. I'm a businessman, uh, a father, a husband, and we're part of the leadership team here at Horizon, and we were here from the very beginning. Whereas Chad says, from the very, very, very beginning. So. And I'm Carol Marker. Um, Mike and I have been married now for 50 years, and we were part of the beginning team with the vision to start Horizon. Uh, this question posed to us of how did we get to Horizon goes way back. And uh, Carol and I were not churchgoers. Our kids were young, and uh, through a series of contacts with our very best friend, the best man of my wedding, uh, we developed an interest in uh, God and Jesus and the Bible. A couple came alongside of us and we met one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I met one-on-one -on -one with him and Carol with her. And all of a sudden, um, Christianity became alive. Christ became alive. So, uh, and our lives started to change. A few years later, what had been modeled for us and the impact they had on our life uh, was something we wanted to do with other people. So. Uh, we engaged with uh, mostly people that didn't attend church. In fact, I think probably all of them didn't attend church right. and just kind of did the same thing with them. And one of the things along the way is we tried to get our friends, we developed great friendships, uh, to go to church. Well, I think they all tried it and none of them found a comfortable place to go to church. So along comes Crossroads. Uh, I'd heard about this church that was going to start in Hyde Park, which was going to appeal specifically to people that, for whatever reason or another, were not interested in church or interested in everything that went with it. So we decided, let's try Crossroads, and it worked. They felt comfortable there. They liked the style of the church. And so we decided that's where we should be. And of course, then these people that we brought, they became friends with each other. So uh, we just had a real little mini community there that was really nice and new friendships developed. And um, so a couple years later, uh, Brian came to us and said, uh, there is a group within the Crossroads Church that has a vision, an idea to go start a church in Indian Hill or close by. And at first when Brian presented this to us about being involved, uh, with starting a church, I was not real happy about doing that for two reasons. We had gotten all these younger people started at Crossroads and I didn't want to leave them. I enjoyed Crossroads. And then the other reason was I knew it would be a major time commitment. Didn't know that we had that to give. So uh, without a real commitment yet, uh, I started meeting with uh, uh, other couple or other men and we were designing the bylaws and articulating the mission of the church and, and in the middle of all this uh, we were invited to uh, a dinner and it wasn't just the founding uh, families of which we were part of but we kind of expanded it maybe one friendship out and there were I suspect 20-25 people at a dinner party uh, we talked about the church we had a great time of friendship and uh, socializing and it was it really seemed good and I'll let Carol tell you what it felt like that night frankly I went to that dinner that night thinking I will I'll go and I'll check it out but I wasn't really ready to commit to helping start another church 
but after that evening um, of being with people and seeing that they had the same vision that we had. They had the same heartbeat of helping people and having a church that would be comfortable for non-church people that had been turned off by church, frankly, finding a place to come to. And uh, at the end of the evening, there was a time of prayer, and I'd never been with a group of people that felt so comfortable to go ahead and pray together. And every single person in the room, man and woman, said prayer that night together. And when we left that home, I just looked at Mike and I said, how can we not do this? So um, what do you do to launch a church? Well, you'd have to get a lot of people up here to tell you about their part. But I'll just tell you a little bit about what our part uh, looked like from our vantage point. Uh, Someone had the idea that, why don't we meet uh, once a week, a group of us, and let's pray. Seems like a great logical place to start, uh, uh, having God involved uh, before we do anything. And so uh, Carol and I and some other folks met uh, every week for... I don't know. We can't remember. It might have been a year or two, but uh, here's some of the things we prayed. First of all, we prayed for our friends. We prayed that uh, if uh, that they might be interested and that we whatever we whatever we produce there would be something that would uh, minister to families and to people, and especially people that maybe had checked out on church a long time ago or never really explored the idea of faith in God and Christ. Uh, So we prayed for people by name. One of the things we prayed for was for the churches in our area, that they wouldn't look at us as a threat. And in fact, that people from those churches would not come and join us. Our first launch really was just uh, uh, us and some of our friends getting together at Indian Hill High School on Sunday morning and seeing what what might church look like. And, uh, you know, we had a band, we had uh, teaching, we had uh, um, about, and I can't remember people, maybe 50 people at times. But one of the things that uh, kind of got out and it was misinterpreted, we, people were, were starting to see, what is this group doing on Sunday morning? And uh, so, well, it's going to be a church like Crossroads, which is a seeker church. Now, we don't call ourselves that per se, but that came along and that was misinterpreted as it passed through uh, people to see we were a secret church. <laughs> so uh, uh, it was not planned on our part, but it was very interesting, caused a little bit of a of conversation in the community and uh, uh, so we did that and it was just great we know we said gosh this feels so good we had the right team uh, and we felt that uh, this is something we could go to the next step so the next step was uh, let's find a place to meet that we can meet long term and that was uh, Cincinnati Country Day School we were very privileged and pleased uh, that we could uh, rent that building on Sunday mornings. However, it wasn't ideal for church. It was a theater with steep steps. It was dark. Uh, and uh, not only that, we had to pack away everything every every um, Sunday for the next Sunday. But it took a lot of, we had a team and everybody pitched in. And it was quite an extraordinary experience to see everybody having the same vision, uh, contributing uh, financially, contributing uh, with their labor and contributing by bringing uh, their valued friends to come and uh, be a part of us. Well, pretty amazing that that journey began 20 years ago. 
And think of the adventure that they would have missed if they hadn't said yes that day. Think of the adventure Peter would have missed if he hadn't said yes that day. So I would just encourage you to pray about how you start, whether it's that pathway guide you're going to use, getting into a group. I'll tell you, one of the tangible ways for the next eight weeks, the service is going to be almost identical, the messages, except for worship in this service and the different components in the other service. So I'd really encourage you, if you stay at two services, they're going to be almost identical. Please stay and have lots of coffee and eat bagels much longer than normal to make sure that our prime seats for 10 o'clock specifically are available for our guests. And then if you want to come and sit in the less desirable seats way over there or out in the lobby or, or in our, our hearth room, let's do exactly what the original church did, which is let's prioritize the best spots and the best time for our guests. And if God's prompting you to do more than that, to serve specifically in a service or give, I pray that he'll do that as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the incredible journey we've been on as a church. God, we ask you continue to use our environments to challenge us, to grow us, to convict us, to draw us into a deeper understanding of you and your work. Get a hold of our time, our treasure, and our talents, and compel us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next week.